All right, folks, it's another episode of America's Hometown Horror, and tonight's episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And be sure to mention America's Hometown Horror by name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. That's podgo.co. So what's going on, folks? Another episode of America's Hometown Horror. My name is Mike, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of our show. And as usual, I am joined by my fellow co-hosts, Andrew and Kat, who I think we can see now. What's up, guys? How are you? What's going on? Oh, not too, not too much. Not too much. And as uh, as you can see now, uh, we are also joined by a very special guest tonight, and that is Amanda Woomer from Spook Eats. Amanda, how are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So I know, you know, we've been trying to make this interview happen for a couple of months now. Yeah. Busy schedules, podcasting and stuff. And I know you are, are promoting a book. But so if you're a listener of our show uh, or anyone that listens to our show knows that, you know, we like to have fun. We're big supporters of the local Plymouth bar and restaurant scene. And we've also delved into some paranormal related uh, activity type shows in the past. And we're hoping to do more of those in the future. And a few months back, um, came across Amanda's blog and Twitter account. And the subhead for her blog caught my attention because there were three topics in there that most people probably wouldn't make a connection to. And I thought it was just awesome. And that would be uh, uh, food travel and supernatural. So I thought that was just super cool. The blog is called Spook Eats, and tonight we're happy enough to be joined by Amanda. Blogger, paranormal investigator, author of multiple books, including her latest, uh, The Feminine Macabre, a woman's jur a journal of all things strange and unusual. So, uh, we're, again, we're happy to have you. And we like to ask all of our guests just a couple of questions before we kick into some stuff about your books, about your website, just to kind of get a baseline of uh, what type of horror fan you are. Does that sound okay to you, Amanda? Sure. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, uh, first question: What is your favorite horror movie? Oh gosh, <laughs> I didn't want this one, to right? be the question. <laughs> um, well, um, I, I'm gonna go with my knee-jerk reaction. Um, so I'm gonna say Halloween, um, just because it was the first horror movie that I saw that I knew was a horror movie and I've just I'm absolutely obsessed with the whole franchise I absolutely love it I'm a Michael Myers fanatic um so definitely Halloween um my like guilty pleasure horror movie is trick-or-treat um like the the I always consider it like the Christmas Carol of Halloween um I absolutely love that with little Sam Hain um oh, yeah. So yeah, the newer trick trick or treat, not trick, trick or, or treat. treat. Yeah, yeah trick or treat. treat. <laughs> Both um, good so choices. That, yes, but it's trick or treat is my uh, my guilty pleasure. So I'm a huge nice. horror fanatic. So those are probably like those are my two instant. Yeah, two excellent choices. And those are actually two movies that we've covered on our show in the past. Actually, both this past October and. Uh, you know, judging by the Krampus book that you've written, I'm sure you're familiar with the trick or treat cinematic universe that uh, the Krampus movie takes place in the same thing as well, which is pretty yes. cool. Yes. Yeah, I actually yeah. had no idea when I watched both of those movies at different times, I had no idea that it was the same universe. And then like just this past year, I'm so ashamed to admit this, just this past year, my husband was like, oh, d didn't you realize that they're in the same universe? And it blew my mind. So yeah. 
ashamed to admit that I didn't know that. Well, I guess there was like a deleted scene that they removed from Krampus that kind of would have been like a direct tie to it. So I don't know. They uh, they probably should have shown a little bit more in there, but I I wouldn't begrudge anybody for not noticing that right away. So again, both good choices. So what <laughs> I didn't this... notice it either. So don't yeah, well I would say for, for the podcast when we uh, when we were doing the research, we found it out then. But um, but yeah. So okay. So what's the scariest movie that you've ever seen? Oh gosh. Oh no. Okay. It's a hard hitting question. I apologize. It is. It's going to be, again, I'm going to go with the first one that pops into my mind and it's an embarrassing one. Um, but for me, it's Jaws 2. Oh wow. And that's because I saw it before I ever saw Jaws 1, the original, but I just remember watching it and that night not being able to sleep because guys, there's a shark under my bed and it's coming to get me. And I was like, not a small child. I was probably like 11 years old where like, you're an idiot. There's not a shark under your bed. Um, but it just, it absolutely petrified me. Not to mention then I couldn't go into the pool by myself until I was, I don't know how old I am today. I still don't go in the pool by myself uh, because there's a shark in there, obviously. Right. Um, so, I mean, look, looking at it now, it's not a scary movie at all, but that was for me when I saw it absolutely petrifying and like had lasting results in my adult life. So Clearly, you don't go in pools anymore. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I can relate to that too. I still won't go up. Uh, I, I won't, I won't go out past my head in the ocean. I just can't do it. Oh it's, yeah. Uh, no, no. Jaws oh, had too much of an impact on me. No way. Not this I time. I don't go in the ocean. I don't go in lakes. If you can't see the bottom, no thanks. Yeah. There's all kinds water? of water. No. All kinds of creatures out there. You never know what's lurking down there. And there's especially. a lot that we don't know about. Like yeah. Lifted, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and we have a lot of great whites on the coast of Massachusetts out here too. They they yeah, like to come and uh, and visit. So. No, I refer. Watching Jaws until I started dating Mike, and then Mike was like, "You haven't seen Jaws?" I'm like, "No, I have a beach house right on the water. I don't want to yeah. ruin my experience." Yeah. No way. <laughs> All right, last tough question, Amanda. What's the okay. most recent horror movie that you've seen? Oh gosh, well, I just last night my husband and I were horror movie fanatics, so every night when our baby goes to bed, we watch one. Um, so we just watched The Fly. For the first time, Cronenberg's oh, wow. The Fly, the Jeff Goldblum um, Fly, yes, yes, and I was surprised. I was impressed. I was like, Jeff Goldblum, like you're kind of actually acting a little bit. I'm impressed, Gina Davis, you were fabulous. So just watch The Fly. Yeah, not one to uh, watch on uh, like while eating though, for sure. And we were, we were eating dinner, <laughs> and like about like very shortly into it, I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit and actually just. Drink it in, just enjoy yeah. it, and I'm going to eat later. A good choice. Yeah. A good choice. <laughs> All right, so Amanda, so I guess to start out, for those uh, for those listening who might not be familiar with your site, can you tell us a little bit about Spook Eats and what you do? Sure. So Spook Eats is a travel blog where we travel the country when there's not a pandemic happening, obviously, um, where we visit haunted restaurants, bars, and hotels. We try the food. We review the food. And then we also share the ghost stories. And this came from kind of a 
personal tragedy, I guess. Um, I've always been interested in the paranormal. I had, you know, a ghostly encounter when I was a little girl. And I think a lot of paranormal researchers and investigators have similar origin stories where you experience something as a child and then you're automatically weird for the rest of your life. That was me. Um, and I was innocently curious about the paranormal. I would do little ghost hunts with my tape recorder and go to cemeteries, um, go on ghost tours and stuff. Um, and in 2015, my younger brother, Jed, he passed away after a battle with pediatric cancer. And it was then that I kind of took that curiosity and just transformed it into a passion. I started going to places to actually seriously investigate because I was curious about life after death and what comes next. And I found that a lot of these haunted locations, especially the ones you see on TV, really, really infamous doom and gloom locations are really difficult to access. Either you have to be famous um, on a team or you know, have a decent amount of money in order to book these places. And I'm none of those things. Um, so <laughs> I turned to haunted hospitality, these haunted restaurants, these haunted hotels that are just as historic as the places you might see on TV and just as haunted. And they're a heck of a lot more enjoyable to go visit because they have heat and electricity and bathrooms and food yep. and drinks. Yep. So um, that was kind of why I chose to focus on haunted hospitality, um, especially because I'm not the only person that's ever lost someone and then questioned what comes next. Just everyone has brushes with death at some point in their life. And if you're someone like me, you know, I'm not blessed with blind faith or anything like that. So I am very doubtful and curious. So I was just searching for answers left and right. And I still am. Um, and so that's why I wanted to create Spookies, where it's a website where people can go and look at these restaurants or these hotels or bars and be like, hey, I'm near this area or I'm traveling to this place. You know, and instead of going to a chain restaurant, which is just, ugh, um, yeah. you know, why not go to some place that's historic and potentially haunted? And you could potentially have a haunted and paranormal encounter without really having to pay that much money for the price of an appetizer or a pint of beer. You know, you could potentially find answers to those questions that you're you're seeking. That's awesome. I think it's uh, it's it's great that you were able to turn you know sort of a personal event into something that became a passion for you. I think that's that's an awesome thing to do, and obviously it's grown to it's grown a lot for you. And that's a really really cool idea. As I mentioned before, it kind of struck a chord with me as as th three things that I'm you know certainly interested in. And I think the three of us are. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Especially food and drinks. I know, right? That's how that's how we came up with the idea to do this podcast was over food. Yeah. Because hey, yeah. no good story ever starts over a salad. It's always no. over That's a beer. True. <laughs> that is certainly true. I know. I did. I did see when I was cruising your blog though. You did a Hardee's, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, I was like Hardee's. I was like, That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was my first time going to a Hardee's. Um. And I mean, there was a cookie at the bottom of my meal. I was really excited about that. I've never. I had never. I didn't know that was a thing. So, but yes, a haunted Hardee's. Yeah. That's I wild. had a horrifying experience at Hardy's as a child, actually. I don't know if you can see this. Uh, <laughs> I have like eight stitches in my forehead. Oh, no. When I was a kid, I was at Hardy's and I was playing in the play area and there was a big slide you go down and there was a big bolt sticking out <gasps> oh, of no. the top of the slide and I smashed my head right into it and I was bleeding all the way down the slide. 
I had to go to the hospital. Why we didn't sue Hardee's is beyond me. Because yeah. I was like hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Like, Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune, Andrew, but uh, could have hey. had Hardee's fries oh. for the rest of my life. I know, I know. You could you could have turned that into something great. Cafe lattes. Yeah, cafe lattes. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so, you know, as I was saying before, Amanda, it's safe to say that you're incredibly busy with everything that you have going on. But I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your latest project, uh, which I mentioned before, Feminine Macabre. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So the Feminine Macabre is kind of been mulling around in my brain for about a year now. So like you mentioned earlier, it's our all-female paranormal journal. And it kind of stemmed from uh, an interview I was doing over on Paranormal Buzz Radio about a year ago right now. Um, we were talking about women in the paranormal, historically speaking. And I was listing off women that I'm super nerdy when it comes to studying the paranormal. So I find it really interesting looking at the history of the field. So I knew these women, you know, Catherine Crow, Eleanor Sidgwick, um, you know, these women that really had a hand in shaping paranormal study and paranormal investigations as we know it today. But as I was talking about these women, I realized that the people I was talking with and the listeners had absolutely no idea who I was talking about, um, which is fine. It's very niche of a niche niche thing. Um, yeah. So I kind of got me thinking, you know, well, women have been part of the paranormal since the beginning. Um, why is it that people don't really know about them? Um, and then I started thinking, you know, if you ask anyone, you know, can you name a female paranormal investigator, they might have a difficult time and they might land on, you know, Katrina from Portals to Hell right now or Amy Bruni from Kindred Spirits, um, maybe Lorraine Warren, but only because of the Conjuring movies right now. Right. Um, <laughs> and so that's why I really wanted to start the Feminine Macabre. Basically, you know, women have been a part of it since the beginning, even before the paranormal, if you look at witches and priestesses and shamans. Um, so I wanted to create a place where women could come together and just share their research, their theories, their findings, their ideas in a, in a place that is, you know, safe, as well as being a platform. Um, you know, some of these women have been studying the paranormal for 30 years. Um, which is longer than some other women have been alive. Um, so it's really amazing to see these women from all different walks of life, different ages, different ethnicities, different sexual orientations, different, you know, spiritual beliefs come together to write about all things paranormal. And the thing I love about it is that it's not just ghost stories. It's not just haunted locations. It's, you know, witchcraft and tarot. It's, um, you know, dark history and folklore. It's, uh, death customs. Uh, it, it was so interesting to see what women, how how they interpreted women in the paranormal, quote unquote. Um, so uh, volume one of the Feminine Macabre came out uh, back in March. And I, I, people always say like, oh, is it good? And I'm like, what a stupid <laughs> question to ask. Like, I think it's good, but it's like saying like, hey, is your kid yeah. cute? Yeah, of course I think it's cute. I made it. <laughs> um, so, but um, we had over 100 submissions for volume one and only 30 women made it into volume one. Um, it was number one wow. on Amazon as a new release um, for a couple days, um, which is more than I anticipated. I actually was afraid that I would have to pretend to be like 30 different people to just get this going. Um, and that wasn't the case, thank goodness. Um, but, um, and volume two submissions are open right now. 
Um, they opened up back on April 1st and they're open through June 1st. Um, so anyone who's listening, um, we're opening it up to both people who identify as female and non-binary. Um, you know, if you are interested in the paranormal, um, again, whether it's witchcraft, tarot, ghosts, um, cryptids, we didn't have anything cryptids for volume one, which just drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> I should have pretended to be someone to write about cryptids. <laughs> I was say I know I know Andrew was very excited to talk to you about cryptids. I think he he had a cryptid related question for you. Mm. Yeah. I was just curious but, like what your favorite cryptid is, but I love the hodag up in uh Wisconsin. I think it's Wisconsin. Yes, Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Um I don't know why. I just know like when I was researching cuz I wrote a children's book, the cryptid ABC book. Um H was yep. for hodag. And as I was researching it, I was like, I love this thing. Like it's, it, it eats white bulldogs and it's like, it's kryptonite is lemons and it wow. knows it's ugly and cries because it's <laughs> ugly. And I'm like, this thing is like my spirit animal. I love the hodag. So it's a random one. It's not really famous. Like I know people are obsessed with Mothman right now. Like yeah. obsessed. Yeah, that's a huge him. one. Yeah, it's pretty cool that you said hodag because I've never heard of that. So I'm like, oh, there's one, a hodag. Yeah, yes. that's a first hodag. for me. Yeah, that's a first I actually, I always pronounce it hodog, but like my my in laws are from the Midwest, and they're like, Amanda, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's hodag, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So I love the hodag. He's really, uh, yeah, he's a he's a fearsome critter from you know folklore. So definitely look him up. I uh, I love the hodag. Awesome. <laughs> Definitely will. So yeah, so, sounds like the Feminine Macabre's got a lot going on, a lot of different things. If you're interested in anything uh, paranormal related, sounds like a great way to, uh, to to get a lot of different subjects in there. And if I remember correctly, so you're, you're, you're shooting to do this uh, biannually, right? Yes, that's my goal. Um, and my hope is that both men and women enjoy it. It's not, it's not like man hating people. A couple of people are like, you're sexist. You hate men. And it's like, not at all. Um, and I didn't want to make it a male versus female thing, but my argument with that, because someone brought it up to me that I'm making it male versus female. And my argument, my counter argument for that was that, you know, the, the mainstream media offers the gentlemen plenty of opportunity to showcase the work that they're doing so you already know about the guys in the paranormal field um so this is just the opportunity to even the playing field a little bit and to just make people aware that the ladies are also here and they're also doing research and investigating with just as much as integrity as the guys and they have stuff to share they are so knowledgeable about their their areas of expertise and um so anyone can pick this up. You don't have to be interested in the paranormal. Um, you know, you can be male or female um, and really take take away um, different new ways of thinking, different theories, different ideas. I learned so much from reading these submissions. Um, so I really hope that people um, will pick up a copy. You know, you don't have to be a lady to, to enjoy it um, and learn something new with the feminine macabre. Absolutely. I'm excited to buy a copy myself. I was, and I appreciate that you don't have it on audiobook versus like having a heart, like a paperback book, like a physical book. Cause I think that's just going to make it so much better when I, when I order one. Well, and that was the thing. Cause everyone asked me, is, is it going to be like an easy, is it going to be online? And I just started laughing internally. Cause I was like, I'm so technologically impaired. It's like, no, it's not going to be online. It's not going to be digital. I know how to make books. That's what I know how to do. Nothing else. So, and it, it, that was really important to me because when I first started, I've been writing since I was a child and 
only within the last probably like five or six years have I started actually getting things published and, you know, different anthologies and stuff. And I remember the first time one of my pieces was published in a book and I got that book and I saw my name on the cover. It was life changing for me. It really uh, kind of, yeah, it solidified the fact that I, I can write. People might actually want to read what I have to say. And that's why I started actually publishing books. So my hope is that this would be the exact same thing for someone else. Um, so it's an actual physical book. And I always joke saying that I love cracking books open and sniffing the pages. So you can do that with this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can actually, I can relate to that because, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, I actually started writing again and was able to get myself onto a website that I've read for a long time, a couple of websites. And that is a fantastic feeling. So I can only imagine what it must feel like to like have a, a physical book in your hand to see your name on that. It's going to be very rewarding. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Kat, I know you had a couple questions about her uh, her blogs and her books. Yeah, so I kind of did a whole crash course on Spooky Eats in the past few days. Like, I live, breathe, ate Spooky Eats just to kind of <laughs> And I, I'm, like, so excited to meet you because I feel like I've looked through, like, all your blogs and your website and everything. And um, I was one of the things that caught my eye to pick and choose, like, which blog to read was, like, the photography and the illustrations and stuff. Did you do all of that? Do you do all that yourself? Do you pull some from the internet? So a lot of it is my own, um, especially when it's um, focusing on someplace um, in Western New York. Um, a lot of those are from my book. Um, and then when it's a, a, an actual like spooky review at a, a haunted hotel or haunted restaurant, those are all mine. Um, I try to take them myself. Um, some of the other ones that, um, especially once ugh, the pandemic came, um, and I couldn't actually travel to these locations. Um, I would have to use, you know, public domain images and stuff, which is just the worst because that's not what you want. Um, you can't make it exactly how you envision it. Um, but a lot of it is my own. Um, I've done a couple of edits. Um, I've tried to get get a little bit better with Photoshop, but uh, still a little, still yeah. a little rusty. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I love how everything's black and white and everything. Like the feel, the look and feel of it's awesome. Thank you. Well, and Kat's, Kat's a graphic designer by trade, so she appreciates oh. that even much more. Yeah. And just being able to navigate through the website, like all the whole user interface. I'm like, this is so nice. This is a nicely put together blog. Like, you get to where you need to go in a couple clicks, and that's that's all you really want from your audience. So oh, That makes me so happy, because when I was designing it, I was like, well, I want black and white, because that's how my Instagram is. It's all grayscale and... And as I'm like designing, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I like it. It works. So. Oh, yeah, yeah you, def you definitely have a unique look with all, all black and white on the Instagram page and on the blog and everything. And I know Kat has been admiring your TikTok page the last couple oh of my days. Gosh. Too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast that you were on and they mentioned your TikTok. It was a recent one. Um, I forget which one it was, but they're mentioning your new TikTok page. And I was like, oh, I love TikTok. I'm more of a watcher than a recorder, though. And I just kind of skim through them at night, like before I go to bed. But um, one of the ones you had was your um, ghost hunting kit. And at the end, you had this teddy bear. And I was like, oh, I wonder what the teddy bear is for. Yeah. So the teddy bear, I actually I actually have it sitting in my car right now. Um, so that's called a boo buddy. And um, it's basically um, for people who are familiar with uh paranormal investigation equipment. It's basically a glorified K2 meter um, or an EMF detector. Um, basically, if a increase in electromagnetic energy um, is 
uh, occurring around this teddy bear, it lights up different colors. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so the wow. green light that's in the video is just saying that it's turned on. Um, but then if um, anything, anything weird is happening around it, it lights up red also. Um, and the idea is that, you know, if you bring it near like your refrigerator or an outlet, it's going to turn on because of the electromagnetic field that that is creating. Um, but if it's in the middle of a room where nothing like that is happening and you can't really find the source of that energy, then they say that that's that's paranormal. That's unusual. It makes you stop and scratch your head. Um, and just just recently, I had a public ghost hunt and I this thing has never turned on. I spent like 80 bucks on this teeny tiny little teddy bear. And I was like, son of a pup, this thing isn't working. <laughs> and it finally, at this event we did, um, we actually, it started lighting up. And it, would, it was the strangest thing is you would hold it up at like eye level as an adult and it wouldn't light up and you would lower it to the height of a child and it would light up and it didn't turn off at all. And one of the guests who was there um, claimed to be sensitive and she said, you know, oh, there's something attached to that now. And I'm thinking like, I'm not bringing this back into my house. No. Like, I don't, want my, I don't want to bring anything. I'm so, sitting in my car right now. <laughs> Just oh, letting man. it cool off. <laughs> oh yeah, let it, yeah, let it simmer. Like That's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> That's I had no wild. idea anything like that even existed. Oh yeah, there's some of the, wildest gadgets out there like ridiculous stuff so yeah. but yeah the boo buddy oh, nice that's, that's pretty cool <laughs> all right so i actually want to i want to ask you so, about some of your paranormal investigations so you know having looked at your website uh, i can see that you've been to probably some of the places that are a paranormal investigator's dream right when i saw that you had visited the stanley hotel i was immediately jealous i saw that you got a chance to visit robert the doll down in key west which is also really cool. But I, I've also heard you say on other podcasts that you kind of tend to gravita gravitate towards some of the uh, the less popular places, right? Some of the more easily accessible places, like you mentioned before. So are those still your favorite types of places to go to? And I guess, do you have a favorite investigation that you've ever been on or a scariest one? So, yes, basically, uh, to answer your first question, um, I do tend to like the lesser known haunts um, just because I kind of have a working theory and I've talked with other investigators in the field and I'm more so a paranormal researcher than investigator. I know I've had people yell at me for saying that because I do enjoy investigating and I do go on investigations. Um, but I, I, I love researching places, I love the history. Um, but a lot of these locations, especially the really, really famous ones where hundreds, if not thousands of people are visiting every single year, I do think that there is sort of a collective energy that just kind of gathers over time. And who's to say that it adds to a haunting or takes away from a haunting or kind of masquerades as a haunting, who knows? Um, so the really famous places for me while they're amazing to visit, especially if you have it in your mind, you know, you've built it up over the years, like the Stanley Hotel. Um, it is amazing to see as you're driving up to it. Um, but for me, the lesser known locations are so much more, I don't know, potent, where you know if you are experiencing right. something, it's not the residual energy of all these people bombarding the location and coming and going. Um, it's more, I don't know, it's not diluted. It's whatever. I don't can think of the word right now. Um, but it's just pure, I guess. Yeah. Um, so for me, um, I mean, I've never really had a scary investigation, which I'm thankful for. You know, you have those moments that you're You definitely have like a mini heart attack and like you consider like, like, did I just pee my pants a little bit? <laughs> um, the answer is yes. Sometimes. Yes. Um, 
But for me, the, the freakiest thing that ever happened um, is at a location called Iron Island Museum. Um, it's in Buffalo, New York, and it's been on Ghost Hunters. It's been on Portals to Hell. Um, it's relatively well known in Western New York. And I was actually there by myself, um, completely by myself. I used to own an escape room um, pre-pandemic. Wow. And yeah, woo! <laughs> um, and cool. um, yeah. And um, we were putting in a little pop-up escape room to help with the fundraiser um, back in 2019. And so I was there just putting on the finishing touches and Linda, the owner had to leave and she was like, I'm gonna lock you in. Um, are you sure you're okay with staying? And I was like, yeah, it's fine. And she looked at me again and she's like, are you sure? And I was like, Linda, should I not be? Like, <laughs> I mean, I know the place is haunted, but geez. Um, so she left and I actually saw, I don't want to say a shadow person because I do think that a shadow person and a ghost or a spirit are two different things, but I saw a shadowy um, figure, but it was from the waist up and it was in a mirror and it was like dripping out of the mirror. Oh, and it so was, horrifying. that was horrifying. I hate mirrors. Like ask Mr. Spookies. Uh, we only have one in our house. I hate it. I hate mirrors. I hate them now. After that, I absolutely hate them. Um, so I very quickly like gathered up all of my stuff and like briskly walked um to like this safe space in the building. Um, that was the freakiest thing. I've been back since. Um, so it didn't scare me away, luckily, because I do love that location. Um, but my favorite, favorite place to investigate um is uh also in Western New York. It's called the Ghost Light Theater. And um, yep. it's uh, a place that I've been a member as a theater person, a theater nerd, um, mm -hmm. since 2005. Um, so I've been there uh, a very long time. Um, and I've just had my favorite experiences there. I've caught in my, I've caught in, caught in is not a word. It is, <laughs> but <laughs> I've captured it happens. It happens to the best of us. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I can't yeah. even tell you how many times I slip up talking. I'm going to say, I swear, so this, is, this is water, I swear. Um, <laughs> But um, I've captured my favorite pieces of evidence there. Um, just today, I was actually reviewing um, from our public ghost hunt. And I cannot tell you how many times I have done shaving a haircut two bits as an experiment. And it's never worked. I've lost count. I've probably done it dozens of times. And I finally got two bits. So at the ghost Whoa. light, I was so excited. Um, so I absolutely love the ghost light theater. Um, I go there fairly frequently um and since the pandemic started obviously they can't put on performances right now so we've started hosting public ghost hunts there and it's just been everything i dreamed of and more you know again after my brother passed away who he was also um a very active member at this theater and i've seen him there i've gotten evps of his voice there we've gotten photos of him there um it's being able to go there and actually research the paranormal has just been so helpful for me in my grieving process. Um, sure. So those are my two favorite places. I know they're both in Western New York, which is always kind of lame, um, but okay. I highly recommend them. No, no, that's, that's, that's totally fine. Um, wow. That's, that's, and, and so um, you also, you wrote a book about that theater as well, right? Yeah. So um, it's called the ghosts of the ghost light theater. And basically as soon as the theater got shut down, because of COVID, um, I wanted to create a, a book as a fundraiser. So I just put out a call to cast and crew members, audience members, um, to see if anyone had any ghost stories. I I knew I had so many, so other people had to as well. 
And we got over 100 stories from the last 20 years. They've been in the building since 2001 now. Um, so exactly 20 years. And um, it's been great. We've actually raised, I think, about like three or $4,000 with sales from this book, which the book's only $15. So that's a lot of copies. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and um, it's been great, you know, just to be able to know that, you know, because I love writing, I love working on books. And this was easy. People emailed me their stories, I edited them to make them cohesive, and spelling, you know, correct, they're spelled correctly and stuff. Um, sure. And just, you know, published it and and people really seem to enjoy it it's it's fun to just get to know the building even more there's old photos from the 1930s um there's a little bit of a history section there's photos from um productions throughout the years as well as you know spirit photos that we believe we've captured over the years so that was a fun book to write and to be able to give back to this building that you know i basically grew up going there and spending time there. And now I do believe that my brother is there from time to time. So I always said, if the Ghost Light Theater was ever not the Ghost Light Theater, it would break my heart. Oh, so sure. I wanted to do everything I could to help. And I really feel like people in the paranormal should step up to the plate and help preserve these historic locations. Um, because we go there, you know, all the time, kind of bombarding this location and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of about time that we give back to these locations and the people that, that run them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. 100% sense to me, so. What's um what what's it been like hearing uh you know hearing EVPs from someone that you've lost? Uh really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when I um it, it's when I first started investigating seriously and researching the paranormal, I promised myself that I would not look for Jed um just because it's a slippery slope. Um, you could become absolutely obsessed and let it take over your life without living in the present anymore. Um, and you also don't know exactly who you're talking to. You know, someone could say right. that they're Jed and there's no way to really prove it. Um, so, but the first time I was investigating the theater, um, it was just put on my heart in that moment to just ask him, you know, dude, are you okay? I need to know that you're okay. Right. And in my mind, you know, we were doing a little ghost hunt with members of the theater. So I was there, my parents were there. Um, the owner of the theater was there who was like a surrogate father to him. Um, all of his favorite people in the world were in one building at the same time. So I thought if he's gonna be anywhere in the universe right now, why not? Why not here? Right. Um, so during my EVP session, I was, you know, down in the basement with um, two of my girlfriends. And I was kind of off on my own because I was a little emotional thinking about him. And in the EVP, I ended up getting his voice saying, I'm fine. And it was the weirdest thing because he passed away when he was 19, but the voice sounded like he was about 11 years old, which was, I always say it was like the height of his career at the theater. Um, he played Oliver in the musical Oliver Twist. Um, and sure. It was just, it, it was the weirdest thing to hear his voice. That same night, we also got a photograph in the same location of him when he was about 11 years old. And it's the, it's the, it boggles my mind still to this day. Uh, my friend got it on her cell phone and it's a carbon copy of a family photo that we have that she obviously didn't have access to. Um, he, you can see his long brown hair. He's got a green t-shirt on. You can see his the collar. You can see his jawline. He's got a backpack on. It's the it's wow. It's bizarre. So to get the EVP 
is amazing in and of itself. And then to get this photograph is amazing in and of itself. But to get them at the same night in the same place was just, I always joke saying, if I never caught anything ever again, it's fine. I got what I needed. But since then, I've gotten more. Um, right. And I've seen him there. I felt him there. Um, so, But it was really weird to hear his voice. Um, and But in a... It, it's it's a comfort for me it's a comfort you know i know a lot of people when they lose someone yeah. they turn to you know their church or alcohol or or you know volunteer work um and for me i happen to turn to the paranormal and it's been the biggest help for me and and for other people too that's awesome yeah that is that's that's great yeah um so i guess to stick to 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 your paranormal research i should say i'll correct myself from before no that's okay yeah. <laughs> um so I, I heard you mention before that you've run into roadblocks with particular businesses that don't necessarily want to be associated with the paranormal. And for the life of me, I I cannot understand why a business would not want that as part of their, you know, their reputation, because I feel like that is just going to draw so much, uh, like a much, cast a much wider net to the people that are going to come visit where you, where you, where you are. Yes. Um, and we, we've had a, we've had an issue like that with, uh, with a place in, in Plymouth that, um, I won't name, but has given us pushback about something like that. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts and if that's something that you still run into from time to time. Oh, yes. Um, and surprise, I, I'm just so surprised when that happens because right now I feel like haunted or paranormal, those are buzzwords. People are obsessed with haunted locations, the paranormal. I mean, I feel like paranormal reality shows are hotter now than ever before. You know, and if people are looking for places to eat, you're not going to necessarily lose someone if you say you're haunted. Um, because people who don't like those sorts of things usually don't believe in them, so it's not going to really affect them. But if you have someone that is genuinely interested in the paranormal or historic haunted locations, you're going to draw them in. Um, so, you know, I do every so often, I do get those locations that, you know, don't want to associate with the paranormal or, or with any sort of haunting. Um, and it's a shame to me because it is a part of that location. Um, there's one area in Western New York that um, it's a former uh, asylum and everyone knows that it's a former asylum. Um, you're not hiding that fact. It's, it's just, everyone knows about it. Um, and right. they, tough to hide that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially it was open since like the night or until like the 1970s. So it's not like you're hiding anything. People know about it and they just don't want to have anything to do with it. And it's extraordinarily haunted. And it's a shame to me because again, if you believe in, in these ghost stories, then there are individuals there that are potentially looking to be able to communicate and share their stories and say their names. And no one is allowed to do that, which to me is so heartbreaking um, and so upsetting. Um, so, I mean, I always feel like it's a disservice, not only to the location, but to the potential spirits that are also residing there. Um, so I'm hoping that over the next few years that more and more places that try to hide that aspect of their history, their location in general, just kind of open up to the idea. Um, you know, this location in particular said that, you know, paranormal investigation and paranormal in general add to the stigma against mental illness. And at first I was taken aback by mm. that because I thought, you know, paranormal people are so empathetic. People are literally empaths, um, you know, and, and so sensitive. But then I started thinking more about it. 
And I thought, you know, you do have asylums that host haunted houses or paracons. And when you think of an asylum, you do think of that stereotypical crazy person in the corner rocking back and forth, muttering to themselves in a straitjacket. And that is a stigma. Um, You know, a lot of people who were in asylums, you know, were very, there was nothing wrong with them. You know, maybe they had epilepsy or they were bipolar or, you know, things that are really common nowadays. And we understand them so much more now, you know, back a hundred years ago, they were locked away and deemed crazy. Um, So I could see how it does lead to this, you know, adding stigma to mental illness. Um, But I still think that there's a better way to go about it than just putting a full on ban um, against the paranormal in general. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never even would have considered that. That's a, that's a great point of view there. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you that I hope more 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 places tend to embrace this, you know, going forward. Yeah. All right. So I think you know, it, this wouldn't be a complete podcast if we didn't talk to you a little bit about some of your culinary adventures for Spook Eats as well. And I know Cat, as an avid foodie, does have some questions for you, and myself included. We both are. I mean, we both love to go to new places, try new food. I mean, you know, yes. we take a million million pictures of food. Uh, sometimes more pictures of food than we do of each other when we're out. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> well, you see each other every day. You don't always see, see that meal. So. That's, that's true. true. That is very true. I was going to say that we, um, so Mike and I, when we were dating way back in the day, um, we used to watch The Walking Dead when it was out, when the first like few seasons. And um, I came up with the idea that we watched it on Sundays. And as like a Sunday supper kind of idea, we'd do Walking Dead meat dinners. So we would make something that we could like gnaw on while we were watching the zombies like eat people. I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of messed up, but like we had like rack of lamb or like ribs or like turkey legs or like something that like you could just like sit there and gnaw on and we're like, is this like super messed up? No, it's freaking awesome. Yeah, we we got her we got her uh, roommates into it for a while too. So I think people at first were looking at us like we were a bunch of weirdos, and then uh, they kind of like oh, you know this actually this is pretty good food, and uh, I think I'll probably get on board with this. I yeah. love that. Yeah, <laughs> but so in in the whole foodie food world, and you know bopping around at different places and trying different stuff, what is like the best meal you've had at the scariest location? Oh gosh, so. Best food at the scariest location for me. Oh gosh, that's good. No one's ever asked me that. They always say either at the scariest location or the best food. <laughs> um, so to combine them together, I would have to say my like the the creepiest place for me is the Farnsworth House in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And I think if you talk to a lot of paranormal people. The Farnsworth House or just Gettysburg in general is always mentioned, yeah. always. Um, so for me, um, I first went to Gettysburg in 2004. Um, and that was really the first place where I went on like a ghost tour and actually realized like, oh, like people actually like visit these places and study this stuff. Um, and so we went to the Farnsworth House for dinner and I had um, read the book, uh, one of the books, um, Ghosts of Gettysburg by Mark Nesbitt. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, but I read one of them and they talked about the Farnsworth house. And so we ate dinner there and I was absolutely petrified the first time I was there. Um, Cause I was just thinking of all of these stories that I read about. Um, and what I love about the Farnsworth house is that when you go there, it is like, it's like a time capsule. It, you're stepping back in time. It's dimly lit. It's decorated like 19th century 
Civil War era. The people who work there are dressed in period clothes and the food is period um, and also very localized. So they use a lot of ingredients from Pennsylvania and even just Gettysburg area in general. Um, so my favorite thing there isn't even a, a full on dish. It's an appetizer, but it's a goober soup. Um, goober, okay. like peanuts. It's a peanut soup. Nice. <laughs> it is so good. It's the weirdest thing. It's like a little sweet. It's a little salty. It's not peanut butter soup. It's just peanut soup. And I always tell people, like, if you go to Gettysburg, A, you have to go to the Farmers of House, and B, you have to order the goober soup. Um, it's just so unique. I've never seen it anywhere else. That sounds it. That's ever. I would it's eat that. so good. 100%. Oh, so yeah, I'd good. try that for sure. My stomach Absolutely. is growling just thinking about it right now. <laughs> it's so good. So for me, the Farnsworth House, it's just, it's, I always, whenever I go to a location, I do look at how, how they honor the history of the location. And for me, you know, if anyone goes to the Spook Eats website and they see my Farnsworth House review, it gets a 10 out of 10 in my, my spooky rating because it honors the history. It honors the ghost stories. It's just, it is creepy walking in. And I mean, the building, if you ever look at it, there's still bullet holes on the side of the building from the Civil War. Um, yeah. So it's absolutely fascinating. And not to mention the food is just incredible. And the goober soup is is one of my favorite things I've ever had. It's spook eats or not. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. I'm obsessed. <laughs> you can't tell. I was thinking, I was like, well, I mean, we've been into places, there was um, a specific place in New Orleans when Mike and I went um, that was, we just stumbled upon it because it was raining cats and dogs out pretty much. And we wanted to not be that far from our hotel and like have to walk in these torrential rains all the way back. So we just stopped in this little bar, come and find out that it was the upstairs bar where it had, um, there were 32 people that were murdered. It was a huge like massacre. It was known as a yeah. bar. Yeah. The biggest um, mass shooting or mass. It was know, a yeah mass hate crime at, hate at, crime. at that point in the country, and I think it was like over thirty people died, over twenty people oh died, God. something like that. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's it's at a bar called the Gemini in uh, in New Orleans, and yeah. we had no idea. And we walked into this place, and we sat down, and we were just having a drink, and. Somebody was like, you don't know the history of this place? And we were like, no. And they oh. told us. And it was just like, oh, my God. But I guess, yeah, Ghost Hunters has been there, a few other places. Oh, wow. it's, it's got a pretty pretty big reputation. Yeah. Um, very sad Very sad story. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh. So 32 people died in, like, above where we're sitting in this building. And I was like, that's yeah. really like, that's just like, the, It's heavy. Yeah. yeah. The, only thing, the only thing you would ever know like the only thing you would ever see that would let you know that anything happened there is if you walk out right where the entrance to the upstairs part of it is, uh, there's a plaque right in front of the door with like, you know, a symbol and it's got like, you know, initials of a bunch of people that died and everything. So it's very, very eerie and very creepy. Yeah. So that, yeah, Kat, I agree. That's probably the creepiest place we've gotten food and drinks. I would think for sure. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, well, you probably want to go to a place that has great food, but like, would you stay to eat the food if you were scared? Like if you were that scared and the food was that good, would you say? Like, would, yeah, absolutely. Food trumps everything. Food yes. Trumps everything. Yeah. <laughs> you need to eat. You need to eat. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? So, I, so I can see that you've uh, you've done quite a few places in the Northeast, including uh, Salem, Mass. I've seen you. You've done a few places that uh, the cat and I have been. I saw uh, Turner's Seafood and the Mercy yeah. Tavern up in Salem. I so love I, Mercy. Ah. Yeah, Mercy was cool. Mercy was pretty cool. We actually, we had a pretty uh, good time at Turner's Seafood that time that we were there too, Kat. That was pretty good. I had a cool um, like smoke on it that they like lit on fire. They lit like rosemary on fire and then they kind of put it out. And it was, it was cool. Yeah. 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 Cool. 
So I have to ask, have you ever been to Plymouth, Mass, America's hometown? Uh, funny story. Uh, the short answer is no. Long story is that I was supposed to. Um, first time going to Salem, I think it was in 2009 or 2010. And my dad and my brother, um, they had been to Boston a bunch. Um, they had been to Plymouth. And so when we went to Salem, my brother insisted that we, you know, let's go spend a day in Boston and go to Plymouth and we have to do it. We have to do it. For whatever reason, um, our GPS, like, I don't know, had a brain fart or something. And we got so horrifically lost <laughs> um, that we we spent hours trying to get. And I'm like, it's not that far uh, away. Like, yeah. how difficult is this? So we got so lost. Um, and my dad got so frustrated that we ended up turning around. So it is on the bucket list. Um, yeah. and I was very close to it. But yeah, we got so yeah. horrifically lost. And we still I still don't let my dad forget that. Like you got so <laughs> angry at the GPS. Maybe so. you got caught in the Bridgewater Triangle and it started messing with me. There you go. Yeah. I should yes. I, I'm we're gonna do that. We'll we'll blame that instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, because uh, I was gonna say it, it would be right up your alley because there is an excellent bar and restaurant scene downtown a lot of places to visit the food down here is great and there are a lot of places with a pretty strong history of paranormal activity uh you know obviously from you know burial hill cemetery to the john carver inn to you know a bunch of other places down here so it would be very interesting for you to come visit there'd be a lot for you to uh to blog about yes i i'm hoping again because i have a girlfriend that's obsessed with salem but she's never been i was like girl like it's not that far of a drive like you can make it in an afternoon so yeah salem's awesome gotta get out that way again and actually not get lost this time as we're traveling around yeah <laughs> so yeah, you know, sure. if we can all travel around again like it was you know uh, uh, i know god the good old days <laughs> yeah well, if you're ever down this way, look us up. We'll show you For around. For sure. I, yeah. I, I, whenever people say that, I'm like, ooh, ye be warned. Like, yeah. I am going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely take us up on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we would love to take you on a, a culinary and drinking tour of, oh. uh, of Plymouth. That would be a lot of fun. We're going to do it anyway, so. Yeah, yeah we, right. we, we, do it, we do it pretty frequently, so it, it's nice to have some guests with us, you know? Right, so. as an excuse now. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, Andrew, Kat, you guys got any other questions uh, for Amanda? Well, my question was kind of the same as Kat's. Is I was going to say, what is the best cocktail you've ever had in the scariest place you've ever been? But... Oh, gosh. No, that's a good question, too, because I'm a, I'm an alcohol girl. <laughs> Aren't we all? We're an alcohol yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Oh, gosh. For, I'm looking at my map really fast to see. Um. <laughs> I'm going to have to go with a kind of an embarrassing answer. Um, so hopefully no one's a vegetarian. Um, but nope. um, when I was in Salem, um, I went to Rockefeller's and they have a great drink menu. Um, and I had several. Um, it was raining yeah. out. So what else are you going to do? That's um, exactly. And I, I love Bloody Marys. I'm obsessed with Bloody Marys. So they have a Bloody Mary there that yes. has a, a, a meat straw. Oh, and, oh wow! They is it like a? Meat it's not like a Slim Jim straw, it's, like Twizzler kind of. Slim Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. I, I was like, I said, like, I didn't even read like what the rest of like the the hors d'oeuvres on top were. I was like, you had me at meat straw. Like, I'm here for <laughs> yeah. it. 
So, yeah, yes. Awesome. So I love that. Also, to like not like as an embar like I don't not that it's an embarrassing answer, but I always feel uncomfortable saying the words meat straw. But <laughs> um, the other one would be at Turner Seafood. Um, I got the it called Bridget's Orchard. Ooh, um, I saw a picture of this. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's. I always describe it as a big kid's apple cider. Um, Ooh, so nice. good. I accidentally had not accidentally. I had two, which turned out to be an accident because they're strong. Um, mm -hmm. So good. And I loved it because they took the history of the location. You know, they say supposedly Bridget's, Bridget Bishop's apple orchard was where the Lyceum is now. Um, and I loved that. So that's why I ordered it. And it was, it was delicious. It was so good. So I love, I love when places have specialty cocktails because I, I'm a sucker, I guess, for the kitschy, you know, little gimmicks. So I love them. I'm with you. I mean, it's hard it's to turn down a meat straw in anything. So I'm like, oh. yeah, meat straw. <laughs> I mean, I, I can honestly say I'm a Bloody Mary connoisseur myself, and yeah. I've never come across a meat straw before. I think probably oh. the craziest one I've ever had was up in Cat and I went up to Portland, Maine, oh, and yeah. there's this uh, Irish pub called Brian Baru's. And they have, uh, I believe, I believe the Bloody Mary is called the Hangover Destroyer, if I remember correctly. And it, it's got a, uh, it's just a, a tall Bloody Mary, and they give you a, uh, a slider on a skewer on top of it. It's like a little mini cheeseburger on top of it. That was probably the wildest thing I've ever seen. But never seen a meat straw. But I'm, I'm gonna have meat to, uh, I'm gonna have to seek that out for sure. Yes, it's, I was gonna say <laughs> it was, it was worth it for sure. Yeah, that's what I ever had had shrimp cocktail in it that was pretty good i'll take that too i I'll mean i'm not gonna say no to that any food you want to put in my drink that i don't have to pay for i'll take it yes it's like a free meal <laughs> thank you <laughs> wait i have one more question go for it um so actually we the only paranormal uh hunt that i've really been on was um in barnstable we went to the old jail um with derek from capers and he was talking to us about some of his own experiences and I, you kind of mentioned having like a bad paranormal experience with the, like the teddy bear and leave, letting it like cool off in the car. He was, I mean, he's been talking about that. He's had spirits like kind of following him home or something like he's had these weird things that kind of made him into a funk for a while. Have you ever had something like bad kind of follow you home or like get too close to home that made you like extremely nervous? No. And I know that's a super boring answer, but I take that very, very seriously. Um, I, I'm kind of hit or miss. Part of me thinks that things are not as likely to follow you home as like television might make you think. Um, just because, at least in my mind, this is a location that clearly was special to this individual, which is why they are still there. Right. Um, so why on earth would you want to follow me back to my nasty apartment, my <laughs> nasty house? Um, so I always tend to think like the likelihood of something following me home, I don't think it's really as, as frequent or as common as people might think. However, um, just in case I do take it seriously, um, you know, my husband, he totally supports this. He absolutely loves that I do this, but his one request is don't bring anything home with you. And mm. I, I I don't feel like I live in a haunted house and I never want to feel like I live in a haunted house. Um, I like going to haunted locations. I don't want to live in one. I have a little one at home. It's the last thing I want. Um, yeah. So I do, you know, I, I have, you know, various, you know, I mean, and I don't know how much stock I put into them, but I've got, you know, my little crystals and incense and all those little things just to be on the safe side. I say my little affirmation at the end of the night. And in the case of the teddy bear, 
you know, I'm just going to let it cool off for a little bit, you know, like purge it with sage or Palo Santo or something. Um, again, I don't necessarily know how much I believe something would follow me home, but to be on the safe side, I'd rather be safe than sorry. Um, and knock on wood, so far, so good. Nothing has happened. So, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, that guy Derek from the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society, like that was, that was like the one thing that he mentioned to us. I think we asked him, like, you know, if you had to give some advice to to somebody that wanted to try out paranormal investigations or paranormal research or what have you, he said, yeah, don't do it at your own house. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't play with a Ouija board at your house. Don't do any of that shit. Don't do any nope. of it. Just uh, Never do it investigate else. your house. Yeah. Don't yeah. investigate your house. <laughs> My husband and I were working on a piece of equipment that's supposed to pick up spirit voices. And we would actually go to the ghost light theater just to turn it on to see if it works. Cause I'm like, I don't want to turn that on in my house. I don't want to know what's in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably, probably a great idea. Great yeah. idea. Rule number one. <laughs> yeah. Kat, Andrew, any other questions? What's, um, well, I can say, well, my last questions. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, so what else, what else are you working on now? Like what's next for Spookies? Oh gosh. So, uh, I mean, I don't know when the pandemic will be over with. So traveling is still, you know, painfully somewhere on the horizon. Um, when I'm allowed to travel again, um, my husband and I, we have a, a Route 66 trip planned um, where I want to do all of the haunted bars and restaurants and hotels along Route 66. So that's someday in the future once it's safe to really start traveling again and get out there. Um, but um, right now I'm focusing on Feminine Macabre Volume 2. Also um, I'm working on a book that is the oldest bar in all 50 states. Um, some of them are haunted, some of them aren't. So it's a little bit of history, a whole lot of alcohol, um, and then some ghost stories. And then I'm also working on a project that I feel like might get a little bit of hate, um, but it's focusing on how bars are haunted many times by the spirits of prostitutes um, and kind of like why that is, and then really focus on the these female spirits that um, a lot of these locations they protect them. They're really protective of them. They share their stories um, and they're really part of these locations identities. Um, so kind of looking at how their hauntings have almost offered eternal life or immortality to these women that would have otherwise been just nameless blips, you know, in local history. So that's I'm excited about that, but I'm also prepared for a little bit of hate for it. So we'll see. <laughs> Haters gonna hate, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always somebody out there. Just ignore the noise. Ignore the yeah. noise. But I, I am uh, incredibly jealous of that Route 66 uh, road trip. That, that sounds, sounds awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah it, it sounds was, like a great time. It was supposed to be last year, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wait. Everything. Everything got delayed, unfortunately. Yes. Oh, God. Amanda, help settle a debate for me, will you? Oh, so, sure. Kat and I have been going back and forth about creating a TikTok account for America's hometown <laughs> horror. Should I pull, should, yeah, we have. Should I, should I pull the trigger and do it? So I've been I would close. Follow you. I would follow you. Okay. Um, okay. I, I. It's so funny that you mentioned the tick. The, I even now the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so old. I'm like part of the geriatric unit over there. Um, I still have no idea what I'm doing, but it's so much fun. Um, I think you guys should do it. Cause it's, okay. it's just, it's fun. And why not? Why not? Okay. 
do it. There we got a couple good ideas for TikTok. So we, we do have a we we do have a good couple a good couple of ideas. Maybe whether we'll, or not we'll anyone say, else think they're funny. We uh, think they're funny. That's really all that matters. Maybe we'll go viral. You never know. You never know. (laughs) Exactly. You never know on the TikTok. (laughs) Yeah, on the TikTok, indeed. So, yeah, maybe we'll we'll do that. I think we'll do that. I did have uh, one final question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Very softball down the middle. All right. So, you're sitting down to watch your favorite horror movie. What is your go to snack when you're watching that movie? Oh, good. That's important. Well, I usually have a beer, but that goes without saying. Yep. Um, Oh gosh. <coughs> I would say <laughs> I love pickles, which is weird. I eat them by like the handful. That is um, not weird. That is not weird at all. I, I drink people. pickle juice. So. <laughs> I do too. It's my hangover remedy. Oh, it's so good. It's got all those electrolytes. Electrolytes, yeah. exactly. Um, so either that or um I do twirly popcorn, um, because we don't have a microwave. Um, oh. so I do like making the the twirly popcorn, which is kind of a boring answer. Everyone eats popcorn when they watch like movies. Jiffy Pop? Um, kind of. Yeah, like Jiffy Pop. So, cool. yeah. Boring right. answer. but And then a good beer. Always a good beer. Usually well, a stout. Have... There you go. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Solid decision. I like it. There's actually a, um, a place that just opened back up for the season down on the waterfront that's one of our local watering holes that just made a new low-carb option for a hot dog. And they put it in a pickle bun. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The I don't, pickle with yep. the middle yep. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, trust me. It's good. It involves a meat stick and a pickle. I think you'd like <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we love that place. That place. That's 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 a must that's a must try when you come out to Plymouth is the Pillory Pub. Pillory Pub. Okay. We love that place. Pillory Pub for the pickle <laughs> bun. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, the Mayflower, the Rock, you get the whole nine. You'll be good to go. <laughs> All right, my esteemed co-host, do you have anything anything further for Amanda? That is it for me. No, awesome. I'm excited. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, this has been great. Yeah. I've had so much fun talking to you. This is this is this has oh, been great. I loved the horror aspect and then the ghosty stuff. So these are yeah. two of, two of my favorite things. So we I have loved a, we it. have a pretty diverse interest around around the horror spectrum between the three of us so we like to try and cover a lot of different bases so yes yeah but yeah thanks a lot for your time we certainly appreciate uh you coming on and and, and talking to us and i would say if you do not right now uh make sure that you go follow spook eats on all social media which actually amanda where can people find you on social media so um i'm on facebook instagram twitter and the tiktok um and the TikTok. <laughs> it's all just at spook eats nice and mm-hmm. easy um and then my website is spookeats.com. um and if anyone listening is interested in submitting something to volume two for the feminine macabre um if you go to spookeats.com slash feminine macabre you can read the submission guidelines there awesome and they can buy uh, all your previous books on there as well in the shop Yep, yep, spookyeats.com slash shop. (laughs) Great. You do, do excellent. Can you submit doodles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll submit my killer clown. Cat loves to draw. I was confused about submitting doodles. We just opened it up to artists this time around. Because last time they were like, do you do pictures? And it was like, well, no. But now I thought I was like, well, why not? So, yeah. It could be a nice break page. There you go, Kat. Exactly. People like pictures. Right. Yeah. I know I do. Yeah, me too. The less words, the better. Huge. (laughs) 
All right. Well, thanks again to Amanda. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on the following platforms, including YouTube and Facebook. Just search for America's Hometown Horror. You will find us, undoubtedly. You can also tweet at us, at Hometown Horror. And you can also find us on Instagram, at Hometown Horror Pod. And you can also drop us a line via email, if you're into it, if you want to. Hometown Horror Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also find our show pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, but most uh, specifically, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, and wherever else you may get your shows. My name is Mike. I've been joined by Kat and Andrew as always. And thanks again to Amanda of Spook Eats. Say goodbye to your audience, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Amanda. Nice having you. Thank you so much.